Thank you so much, Joy, and praise the Lord. I'm glad to be sharing with us this morning on the topic, Jesus, our advocate. And I do trust that this morning the Lord will speak to us and remind us about the faithfulness of God. Once again, I request that we pray. Father, thank you for this morning because you are so great. Thank you this morning, Lord, because you are glorious. Thank you this morning, Lord, because you are more than able. I surrender this time to you and trust that, Lord Jesus, you speak into our lives on this subject that you are truly our advocate. I give you praise for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, friends, I'm so grateful to God this morning to be sharing on this subject of Jesus being our advocate. The epistle of John reminds us about the three realities that I just want us to bear in mind as we share. One, we are reminded that we are not perfect in our own being. Each one of us has their own failures and shortcomings. But secondly, we need to be reminded that we have uh, we need to be reminded to have a proper view of sin and avoid it, that we do not just intentionally find ourselves falling into sin. We need to have that proper view of sin and avoid sin. But thirdly, we need to be reminded uh, that the cross has satisfied God and has met his righteous demands. And that is why in verse 2 uh, of our reading today, we are reminded about Jesus. He is the propitiation for our sin. To propitiate is to satisfy the wrath of God against sin, to turn away God's wrath, or to offer sacrifice that appeases God's just judgment and righteous anger against us and our sin. But also to note that Jesus is um, as a propitiator of sin. It's not just about him simply um, dealing with the sin, but Jesus himself, he is what satisfies the justice of God. Jesus himself is what satisfies the justice of God. And so as we look at this topic today, we need to remind ourselves that Jesus has stood in the place and because of his mercy at the cross, we find grace and mercy. But fourthly, we do not have to own the guilt because Jesus already took care of it on the cross. And therefore, we cannot move day by day, guilt or with the guilt, with a shame, with a pain of sin, with a burden of sin, because the cross has offered space for us to be able to surrender to him. So having been assured of Jesus's middle intervention as an advocate when we sin, we have no permission to sin, my dear sisters and brothers. When you look at chapter 1 of 1 John, the writer makes this very clear, that we have no permission and no place to sin. 
one is chapter one verse five says this is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that god is light and in him is no darkness at all john is one of those people that is very passionate about about the us as believers john calls us his children every time you read john calls us my little children I, I like it when you read in chapter 2 verse 28 he says and now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming if you know that he's righteous you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him so john calls us little children children of our father he has so be so passionate about believers he's so passionate about our condition he's so passionate about our relationship with jesus with jesus he's so passionate and that is why he calls us little children you know he 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 embraces us he does not give us that space to say we are distanced from him but he calls us little children to have that understanding that we are still in the bosom of our father we are still close to our father we are we are so dear to his heart and that is why he truly cares about me and you and so because of that he's reminding us that you know this is the message that we have heard that from him and proclaim to you that god is light and in him there is no darkness at all so if we are children of this god if he passionately calls us my little children if he passionately draws us close to himself then he's saying you cannot be close to me and yet at the same time you are walking in darkness we are made to be these children of our father and the darkness is simply um meaning sin and if darkness is sin we cannot live in both darkness and light there is no way you can say the sun and the moon are competing to shine the sun is shining the moon is shining at the same time that is very we i don't think we've have ever seen that happen it cannot it can be only one operating at a particular moment and therefore we cannot claim to be in darkness and at the same time we are in light and and that is the challenge and the danger that we have today friends that many of us have claimed to be christians i can be a christian but my life is a reflection of something else and the the bible is very clear light and darkness cannot have fellowship together and so this is what john is reminding us that you know yes jesus is our advocate but we do not have a license to sin because we cannot be both in light and at the same time we are also walking in darkness and so um it is it's a condition that we we truly see in the scriptures but he's also reminding us when you get to verse 6 he says if you are going to have fellowship you know by nature we are relational beings and we have fellowship with one another we have fellowship when we come to church many of us in lockdown what was killing us was lack of fellowship 
We missed out on fellowship in all ways. We could not meet with people. And, and I know some people who went into depression simply because they were living by themselves. But now imagine how many of us are in spiritual depression. Many of us are in spiritual depression because we do not have true fellowship. And sometimes we do not understand that we are in spiritual depression. We do not have true fellowship. You are talking with someone, but you are talking with them on the surface. But within, from the bottom of your heart, you know there is no fellowship because you do not really agree in any way. And he says if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So truth is Jesus. So he's saying if we do not practice truth, that means we are not in Jesus. We are not in Christ. And therefore, we make him to be a liar, and yet we are also liars. So, my dear friends, is reminding us that sin truly breaks our fellowship with God. Once we do not, we, once we live in sin, we have no fellowship with Him, and therefore there is no pretense because He sees. You know, we have an advocate who is not like these earthly advocates who are going to see the temporary bits, the bits of you on the surface. We have an advocate who sees the inside of us, the, all the all that is uh, that is deep inside us. He understands it so well, and therefore we cannot tell him a lie. He's our advocate. We have to be in him, and he has to be in us. And therefore he dwells, he abides in us. He abides in us, and he knows everything that concerns us. That is why he's reminding us that yes, he's our advocate. But we need to make sure that we do not sin because sin breaks our relationship with him. He cannot plead, continue pleading with that for us when we actually have already broken relationship with our father. And therefore, we need to live in this fellowship. No sin, uh, if we are in sin, we can never be in fellowship. Once we lose fellowship, our relationship is totally lost. We need to be careful about working together with others when actually there is no fellowship. We have to live in a fellowship with Jesus before fellowshipping with one another. Sin is a barrier to true fellowship. And for many of us, we have lost fellowship. I know places where we, we can fellowship. I know a fellowship where we're fellowshipping until other people say it. But really, why is it that this person... Why is it that this person is hosting us and yet is not fellowship, fellowship with us? Why is it that they are just uh, living their own lives and we are also living ours? You cannot fellowship with one another unless if you're fellow in fellowship with each other. So when we talk about Jesus's advocacy, we need to be mindful about our fellowship with one another. And so if we are going to be in fellowship, we need to walk in light and at the place of continuous repentance. If we are going to really experience this Jesus. But if we have broken that, then we also need to think about ourselves and be able to return to God. But verse 8 to 9 of chapter 1 is also a reminder that while in this world, we fight against sin, the flesh, and the devil. And that is why he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. There is no way that you can be in this world and then you claim to say you have no sin. Friends, every time we go against God, 
one of the things that becomes a continuous disappointment to me, especially in our Anglican church, is that many times when we are beginning the service, <clears throat> there is that time when we call ourselves to repentance and we call ourselves and we say, please let us kneel or sit and take a personal reflection on your lives. And these true Anglicans who look into your face, even as you are saying that, they are looking into your face and sometimes it's like intimidating. Someone is looking into your face and intimidating you to tell you, do you mean I'm a sinner? Why do you have to tell me to kneel? And for all the time that people are kneeling, others are kneeling, others just sit and open their eyes and look wherever. It's like you are wasting your time. Me, I'm not a sinner. I have nothing to do with your confession. And that is the challenge that we have in our church, that we bring our wickedness in church and we cut our wickedness out and take it back home. We have no time to break down before God. We have no time to have this realization that we have sinned against God. We have no time to come in humility in the presence of God and ask God to forgive us. We do not even have time to close our eyes and reflect and say, God, even when I do not remember anything, Holy Spirit of the living God, shine in my heart. Shine in my heart that I can remember. Remind me about my failure so that I can repent. And that's the challenge that we have, my dear sisters and brothers. That many times, every time you close your eyes, you will find that there is sin that is encroaching at your door. And the best thing is just to close your eyes and say, God, at this moment, show me the sin that is before me. And many of us, those things that come to our minds, our thoughts wander, our mouths speak evil, our actions get dirty every day. Sin is sin. It has no category of small of medium, of big, of extra large. And I think that is where the challenge is, that many of us want to categorize sin. But at least for me, I am a, I'm better off than you. I want to assure you, each one of us, you cannot say I'm better off. In as much as that there is sin that is being pointed out in your life, you are not better off. You are a sinner and you need the grace of God and you need to repent and come back to him. So sin is sin. It has no category. It's not a dress that you're going to get this size or the other size. No, sin is sin. And it has to be named and understood that sin is sin. And it is what causes Jesus to be our advocate. You know, when you read uh, in, the, in, the, in the Beatitudes, when you read Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses uh, 27, the Bible says you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with the lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's just looking with the lustful intent. You have not just committed the lust, but you have committed adultery. And the friends, this is something that is weirdly eating us up. It is eating up our families. It begins with that look, that intent, just looking. And the adultery has become a choice for most of the people. And so we are daily finding ourselves in unfaithfulness in our marriages. is becoming too much. But it all starts with looking. And looking and people look and continue to look 
and finally end up being messed up in their ways of our relationships. So sin has encroached on our doors. Sin has encroached on our windows. Sin has entered our bedrooms. We never tell the truth. We are liars. So all these are issues. We complain, we grumble, we backbite, we pretend to love while we are full of hatred. We cheat, but we need the grace of God, my dear sisters and brothers. We are being reminded about this Jesus who is our advocate. So he says that if we sin, we have him, we we. If we say we have no sin, we tell him we are liars. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful. He will forgive us. He will cleanse us from all our righteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so may God give us that grace, my dear sisters and brothers, as we gather together every morning to be reminded that this Christ is truly our advocate, but also to be reminded that we have no license to continue in sin. And so he says in chapter two, verse one, the best thing is, is, do, is, uh, is not to sin. That's why he says that my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. You may not sin. I am writing the things that we read from chapter one. He's saying, I am writing this so that you may not sin. He's giving us the proper instruction that sin is not our portion. We are not supposed to live in sin because when we live in sin, we are walking in darkness and the light is not in us. When we sin, we have no fellowship with him. When we sin, we tell, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. And then a boy is saying, please, my children, my little children, do not sin. But then he says, dear little children, you are my children. But when you find yourself in sin, remember that I am your advocate. I am your advocate. I am here to stand for you when you find yourself in sin, so that you don't die completely, so that you don't lose hope, so that you don't lose your senses, so that you don't go into spiritual depression, so that you don't think all is lost, so that you do not think you cannot return. But he said, please, I am here. I am your advocate. I love that song that says softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. Mainly we sing that song, but every time you sing that song, someone is saying, come home. But they are so resistant, they cannot come home to the Lord. They cannot trust Jesus to forgive them. They cannot trust God to know that their sin can be forgiven. But he's saying softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. This morning, my dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to bring this voice before us and say, Jesus is softly and tenderly calling and calling, oh sinner, come home. What is it that the Holy Spirit is pointing at in your heart? Jesus is like our defense, Anthony. He argues our case before the judge. You know, um, I, I, I love having interaction with my children and one of them is a state Anthony. And, uh, and, and sometimes he stands and says, you know, 
Ndimuavi wa government. So she, she tends to tell you that I am standing for the government. So she stands, you know. So she, you were you were steady, Anthony. You were just standing for the government. But you know, Jesus is our advocate standing between us and God. And he's saying, you know, God, I am here. I am not just a defense, Anthony. I am not just arguing this case before the judge. But, you know, I am a defense, Anthony, who has already paid the price which the judge could impose. He's a state, Anthony. He has paid the price. And therefore, the judge cannot impose that debt or that price on you because the state, Anthony, this defense, Anthony, has actually paid the price. And he's standing out there to say, my daughter, my son, my child, I've already paid the price. So there is nothing that is going to be imposed on you. And that is why, friends, in Jesus we say, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You do not have to pay anything because it is all paid. That is why he says, believe in your heart and confess with your heart that, confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. And once you do that, you are saved. There is no attachment. There are no strings attached. That is why you can fall down in your bedroom and say, Lord, I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. And you see forgiveness. You find joy. You find yourself relaxing because Jesus just takes away that veil of sin. Jesus takes away the burden of your heart. Jesus that just walks into your life and makes you whole again. So that is why we come to him, because he's as a defense Anthony who has already paid the price. There is no judge who is going to impose the price. Once he stands and justifies you, you are totally justified, and all is done. Therefore, the willingness of the judge to forego the judgment is not based on the life, is not based on the life of the one on trial, but the merits of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So when Jesus is standing for you, it's not based on your life. It's not based on what you are. It's not based on who you are. It's not based on what the judge is going to say, but on the merits of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. He has sacrificed it all. He has given it all. He has done it all for you on the cross. All is done, and therefore you do not have to pay anything. His life paid the price for you and for me. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it as white as snow. Praise be to the Lord that he washed it. Your advocate has washed it as white as snow. He is an advocate who is a, who, who, who is who is passionate about your deliverance. He's he's, he's a, a passionate about your justification. He's passionate about you you being set free. He's passionate about your freedom. He's not just someone who stands in there because he's paid. He is not paid, but he pays. So that is our advocate. My dear friends, brothers and sisters, this morning, I want to call us to come to this advocate. 
I want to call us to allow Jesus to play his role in our lives. I want to call us to this Jesus and surrender totally to him. I call us to know that Jesus paid it all. He gave his life for each one of us on the cross. He has taken away the burden from us and he calls us to come to the cross. He calls us to come to himself this morning. He calls us to say that even if your sin is as red as scarlet, it shall be as white as snow because he has done it all for us. He has purchased our lives. And so you can confidently come to him and know that he will do it all. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9, what does what does he what does he say? He reminds us um, uh, verse six. Or he says, "Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But you know, he's he has and uh, he 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 has done it all. And verse eleven, he says, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And when you read verse 20, he says, For you were bought with the price, so glorify God in your body. That all this sin that dwells in our body, Christ has taken it up on the cross. We were sinners, friends. I am not fit to speak to you. If it was not for the grace of God, I wouldn't be speaking to you because I would be drowned in sin. But the Lord who forgave me, the Lord who justified me, the Lord who stood in between me and the judgment and was able to tell me that I have paid it all. He called me to the cross as a younger girl. He called me to himself and said, come, I have paid it all. You are not accused. You are not dying in shame. You are not dying in slander. You come. You are not, you know, even the mockery that we get as believers, people mocking us, people looking at us, you have to know that, friends, the one who paid it all was mocked. So the mockery that you are mocked today does not matter because there is this Jesus who did it all for us on the cross. And I want to pray this morning, my friends, if your heart was heavy with anything, I want you to know that there is an advocate for you. He's saying, come, I have done it all. I have paid it all on the cross. If you had something that you do not know how to handle, I want to pray that this morning, the Lord will give you the grace to hand it over to him and allow him to, just to take it over. There is no condition that our advocate cannot handle. There is no case that is too difficult for him to present before the judge. He has paid it all. And therefore, he goes there with the full authority and confidence, knowing that as he presents you before the judge, you are already justified because he has taken it over from you and he's carrying it on his head. He's this advocate who carries your sin and your pain and your sorrow and your joy. And he reminds you that you do not have a cost to pay. I have paid it all. My Father and my God, I give you thanks this morning. 
that Lord, you have paid it all. I do not have to worry about so much, but God, I'm also conditioned to know that I need to have fellowship with you. And so, Father, help me and help us not to intentionally sin against you. But where we have found ourselves in a mess, Lord, give us the grace to repent and to genuinely repent and turn back to you because you will forgive us and take away every burden, every pain, every sorrow, every challenge from our hearts because you are our advocate. You are the propitiation for our sin. Thank you, our Lord and our Father. For this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And God Amen. bless you over to you, Joy. Amen. Amen. Uh, James is standing in briefly. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Provost, for clearly uh, bringing the word uh, this morning. And uh, friends, let us just uh, pray in response to uh, a few elements um, that Provost uh, brought out in the sharing. Um, first, uh, the challenge that we all have shortcomings. And just take a moment to reflect on your life and ask the Spirit of God uh, to shine light where a shortcoming is. Uh, this is not so that we can feel bad, but so that we can make the step of, take the step of getting right with God. And to have a proper view of sin, uh, not to make sin a family member uh, that we keep, we feed, we converse with, um, but to know that sin is um, something that really uh, separates us uh, from God and also separates us from one another. Spirit of God, even as you search our hearts, pray, Lord, that you'll deal with me deal with my brother, deal with my sister, that it doesn't have to be another person to tell us where we are going wrong, but that we will hear from you, but that also we'll be willing and obedient to turn away from sin and to embrace the righteousness that we can get through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Pray, Lord, that today the blood of Jesus avails much for everybody on this prayer call. I pray, Lord, that the blood of Jesus will avail much for members of our families. Pray that the blood of Jesus will avail much for members of the church, for the people of Kampala City and Greater Kampala, for the people of Uganda. Spirit of God, may you bring conviction 
of sin. We, there's so much evil and wickedness. But may you bring conviction that leads to repentance. And that repentance leads to godliness. Oh God, we pray for your mercy. Jesus, you may have mercy upon us. But also I pray that we will not take your mercy and grace for granted. Even as you advocate for us, that we will not be uh, uh, perpetual criminals uh, of sin. But Lord, that as you advocate for us, we'll get reformed through the transformation uh, that you work in our lives. So may you transform us, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And Lord, we also pray that uh, as individuals, as uh, families, as fellowships, as a congregation, we will not compromise with sin. Um, indeed, I bring repentance for the practice of compromise where we even uh, get irritated by those who are striving to live a godly life because it exposes our compromise. I pray, Lord, that we will not be a people who compromise with sin, but be a people who readily confess when we are found on the wrong, but also who strive to live right with you and to live right with our fellow uh, human beings. Um, we pray, Lord, that your grace will help us to get victory. Jesus, that uh, we, will, uh, uh, we will now testify of the victory that you've given us, the victory over sin, victory over the flesh, and even the victory over the world. Thank you, Lord, for uh, Dr. Nyegenye for using her so uh, effectively this morning to bring your word. Lord, even as she's shared with us, may you refresh her. Pray, Lord, for the clergy uh, uh, that minister to us on a day by day, week by week. Lord, we pray that you will refresh them. Lord, we pray that even as they are human and they have needs, that Lord, you will meet them at the point of their needs that as they serve you, their service of you is not in vain. That, Lord, they will be uh, joyful servants uh, because as they attend to your business, Lord, we pray that you will attend to their business. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.